Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of... Hi, it's Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. You know, I was thinking of doing a Yoda voice, but then I realized I'd have to say the title backwards, and that would be... Well, not backwards, but way, and that would make the title a little less comprehensible, so I didn't do that. Okay. Well, yeah, it was a choice. <laughs> it was, yeah. No, I... I was I, I swerved at the last second, and I, I feel like that's you know I, I, I think I did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's episode, we're going to be talking about equality and SJWs and bizarre campaigns against both, and an effort to be, I guess, an argument for meritocracy that a thing that doesn't exist in our culture, even as much as they might want it to. Oh man, Jeremiah, I. Uh... But I remember the days before SJW became something that, like, people off the internet would recognize. <laughs> like, those, I mean, those weren't perfect times, but that wasn't true then. And I remember <laughs> when that was the case. <laughs> so, this comes up basically because, as many of you likely know, uh, there's a movie coming out this weekend called Captain Marvel. And. Mm-hmm. 21, after what, some 21 movies, Marvel has finally decided to have a woman as the hero or the main character. Yeah, uh, it is pressed. Like, it's still, like, I, I honestly, like, it impresses me that DC got there first. <laughs> Not only like, that, but DC had the temerity to <laughs> actually have it directed by a woman by herself. Oh, God. How dare they? <laughs> Anyhow. But to be fair to Marvel, the people, the woman they did hire, she works on part of the team with the guys, so that makes sense. It's not like she needed a co-director. It's the fact that they yeah, it's it's like the if if this happened by like oh well, we should probably make sure that one of them has somebody watching like that would that's not what happened. Thankfully, like (laughs) well, no, they've worked together on some shorts and a feature called Half Nelson. Yeah, like team team thing. Like that's that's not unheard of. Yeah, Anna Bolden and Ryan Fleck, they also are part of the uh entourage that wrote the screenplay. Yeah, like there's there's some some great movies were made by, by a, a team of two directors, like, like for example, the Super Mario Brothers movie. So <laughs> Look, the Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie I will almost take over some of the best <laughs> of the comic book movies, simply because it is so bizarre. You know, did you know that the co-directors are also the creators of Max Headroom? Yes. Because uh, how I could fucking... they not be? Sorry, I, I love that anecdote. Like, it's it's one of the weirdest things that's true. Uh, that's not true at all, actually. There are weird things that are true, but that's the one that... Okay, so, Captain Marvel. Uh, yes. Blue Larson. Uh, she came out and she said she wanted, she pushed for an inclusivity of a variety of points of view in criticism, movie criticism. Yeah, and then everybody had a all white man. And then everybody had a completely normal reaction, uh, and we moved on. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I've I've not been following the the news recently. Is that is that not what happened? No, no. Uh, as per usual, the uh, so there was a minority, vocal minority on the internet. Uh, who seemed like the majority, and they basically like she said she hates all, all white men. Yeah, I, I believe if if I if I could uh, translate it, 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 I believe the response to that was, "Oh my god, she wants white genocide! Oh, white men are the most oppressed." I don't know about the white genocide thing. <laughs> oh, okay. That's I just assume that it goes there eventually because uh, uh, we live in a world where that. It's a thing that some people like to yell, and <laughs> it makes me sad. In fact, it's funny. But yeah, like, so she uh... even says in an interview, "Am I saying I hate white dudes? No, I am not." <laughs> <laughs> she just basically, but then she says, "I don't want to hear what a white man has to say," which is fair. And much in the yeah. same way, when uh, Spike Lee made Malcolm X, he said essentially the same thing to an interview. It's like, I, I'm not saying I hate white people, but I would honestly prefer not hearing from them about this movie because I don't think I don't care what a white person has to say about my view of Malcolm X's life. And sure enough, <laughs> that got construed as 
Spike Lee demands only black movie critics show up to his premieres. Which yeah, is- I I wonder. I wonder who construed it that way. Do you think there? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to overshoot. But do you think there's a particular demographic that construed it? Well, here's it the thing. Way? This was back in the day before there was the internet, so this was basically <laughs> mainstream media. Oh, really? And and what was the mainstream media primarily composed by? Was exactly. it white dudes? How far we've come. How far we've come. So so sad. Now. I I can like I can get why if you if you don't like if you take the least charitable version of what they said like you can read some some harshness into those things like as as a person who who has a couple of degrees in English like there's some wiggle room to presume some some gross crap there right. but it's not on the face of the statement you you do kind of got to want it like it's just uh okay yeah okay maybe maybe she does want uh fewer men commenting on it because of a deep-seated hatred for men or or it's because men uh will focus on in a movie starring a woman well let let me use her words (laughs) okay go for it I don't want to hear what a white man has to say about A Wrinkle in Time. I want to hear what a woman of color, a biracial woman, has to say about the film. I want to hear what teenagers think about the film. If you make a movie that is a love letter to women of color, there's a chance that a woman of color does not have access to review and critique your film. Mm. Do not say the talent is not there because it is. Basically, she's just calling out, well, privilege. And it's one of the things mm. where, like, she's not the only one to say this. She just happens to be the only star of a Marvel movie out right now that saying yeah. this. And she happens to be promoting the film in a way that I love, in which basically she's discovered the joys of working out and being in shape. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's 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 one of those things where it's... I, I People have this ever... I think it kind of started post-Matrix, I want to say, because, like, everyone finding out that Keanu Reeves became, like, a kung fu superhero in real life through the course of making that movie, I think was the point where a lot of people were like, man, they should just start casting all of us, like, regular schlubs in movies so we, too, can get in shape. (laughs) But, yeah, like, uh, that's, that that is, like, fascinating as just, uh, yeah, this was a really, uh, this was a really great experience. I got to get ripped and got paid to do it. Not only that, but let's be clear. Let's be clear. She has been nothing but absolutely ecstatic about how she feels about getting in shape and has been absolutely nothing but happy for all of this. And I'm betting you 90% of that, 90% of the hatred for the movie and her comes from the fact that she's happy without the opinion. Yeah. She has has gone out of her way to go, I don't care what you think. I am yeah. happy for this, and it, it's there's a certain reptile part of a man's brain of that bino- of that vocal minority, as when they're told that the opinion doesn't matter, they just get angry because of I, course I, it matters. Freedom of speech. That's such a strange response. Maybe it's because I'm a depressed person, but it's such a str- <laughs> strange response to me that people would be surprised that someone else wouldn't care about their opinion. Well, it's it's that thing of, like, despite all his problems, Aaron Sorkin hit the nail on the head when he was doing research for um, Social Network of people have begun to think that just because they can voice their opinions, that their opinions matter. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And by the way, that, is... that comes from two straight white guys on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> totally understandable. Like it is... It is absolutely. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna say that earlier, but you were like in the middle of a, a longer point. It's like, wow, it is. I we are the. We are two people talking about this right now. But right. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, no. The the, the demarcation of opinions is fantastic, but it's also sort of like imbued it's people also with the power so of caused. Uh, yeah, uh, a cutting of perspective. Uh, and not to be not to be our kind, uh, the straight whites uh, uh, have not had a very good uh, for a long time. I think. <laughs> well, anyway, if you look at comments on YouTube, what you see, you know, people trying to voice an opinion they think matters, but I'm yeah. just like understand that you're one of let's see, 340 million people who have viewed this video. Yeah, I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and like people, well, this is this is one of those things that gets uh, like there's some there is some some fascinating psychology behind the grossness that people will will like create because I don't think that people think they're lying when they say like oh nobody likes this like because a lot of people's perspective doesn't go outside of their in-group uh they don't know that they're wrong uh and and they just sort of uh accidentally behave like a a complete ass (laughs) (laughs) well it's one of the things now where... intent doesn't save you from being a, uh, seen as a jerk and from rightly right. being seen as a jerk but but the, that intent problem I think is there uh, an unfortunately uh, large amount of the time just because well, of that lack goes of respect back to one of my favorite sayings progress isn't a bargain you have to pay for it yeah and part of being inclusive means yes being white and a dude and straight and having an opinion no matter how valid does not mean mm-hmm. you automatically get a seat at the table anymore. Someone yep. who may not have your experience but has a more interesting opinion gets to have a seat because guess what? That is what is, is the quote-unquote marketplace demands is an opinion that is relevant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, the, yeah, there, there are there are that could be critiqued about the marketplace of ideas. Ideas. But, I mean, if you take it seriously, that is one of the things that happen. Right. Like, if you that's... want a marketplace of ideas, you need a diversity of ideas. And I'm like sorry, the, the, the val- you only have to turn on Kaleido or Screen Junkies to see a bunch of straight white people saying the exact same thing on almost any topic. Thankfully, you don't have to turn on Collider or Screen Junkies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I enjoy those that's things. That's not I'm required. That's very rarely a sort of across the like any kind of like real shakeup of opinions. Oh yeah. Uh which is which is why we all, we will often on this show realize our limits. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm sure to be fair that's sure the we still... in general. People for some reason when they watch a yeah. show don't want that big of a disagreement. Yeah. Uh I don't know the that um I kind of wanted to bring up as as uh, Kara and I have, have have yelled at each other about not because we were arguing just because that's our primary mode amongst each other uh, is there's a there's a parallel for uh, this is this is a, a parable let's say in a, a telemarketing not exactly telemarketing but a, a call center office right uh, if you work in a call center you deal with accents just different spoken kinds of american english and one of the things that's weird about that and i've only but even that was enough to to sort of learn this lesson is i of course was birthed from a radio uh in (laughs) middle america like i i was birthed by the unholy union of a radio and a television and that's why i sound like this but uh (laughs) interesting did not know that like i bet your pants Nice people. None of them you were. Th- neither of them think- were radio or television. Yeah, uh, but I mean, the place where you and I uh, come from ha- is is also where the sort of broadcast England came from, like right. that, or at least what they shot for that. That sort of like, oh, this is this is the quote unquote neutral American accent, right? And. That, of course, means that kind of accent with a few of the more, like, countrified versions of it is what I'm most used to hearing. That is what English is to me when it is spoken. Uh, and because I because I, I watch a lot of things, like, from, you know, BBC crap, I, I, uh, I can understand some forms of British English better. But if you slightly different parts of America, it, it's, like, it's a little while, especially over, like, the phone to get used to just the the slightly different sound of someone speaking your same from your same country right. like that little bit of a difference if you're not exposed to it regularly if you're not used to it will like throw you off and make you like ask people to repeat things and it's fat like it, it shows me it, that that brief period of that job taught me a lot about why i i think people when they are confronted with just a slightly different paradigm of culture. Like, whoa, there's, there's a 
the whole world that stars women? This isn't how things go. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it not wrong in that observation. The hostility about it is where things go sideways. But I mean, it's it would like it would be exactly like if someone shows up speaking like English, but English you can't understand. People get hostile for no good reason. Right. It's just it's just group out group stuff. But of course, the solution to that is just to have your thing and that's just where normal comes from like my accent's not normal it's just what people decided (laughs) like it is it is arbitrary what was normal and make things better by having uh more movies with people who aren't me is i guess my point (laughs) (laughs) um that's fair i mean i have a different relationship with accents in the midwest but that's because of my accent yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, well yeah you're automatically going to have a different relationship with that because <laughs> people people think and that's almost a, a another like different version of it because since it was different enough from anything that anybody knew like you were constantly asked if you were from a million different places yes no uh, and the answer is of course no i'm from here i just sound different <laughs> <laughs> yeah no the familiarity um goes in with basically how we just perceive what we think is normal. And the whole point of art and storytelling is to deconstruct or puncture what you think is normal to show you other things might be normal, too. Yeah. Um, part of the... Like, there's a study that shows when you have a large group of men, it's like, say, 50 men, and you have 13 women, and... Uh, better yet, like, maybe 10 women, and then you make it 13 the men will start getting jittery saying the women are starting to outnumber the men. <laughs> Simply because they are so used to having so little space for women that when women get a little bit more space, it becomes, it feels, oh God, you're It feels like an invasion. Them. Right. And not only that, but like people are getting mad. Like this is like, you need to stop pushing it as like a woman superhero movie. I'm like, well, it's only the second one in like what? Four years? Like one woman came out in 2016, right? So three years. Yeah. We've had how many men superhero movies in that time? If you want to count Ant-Man and the Wasp, you can, but I got news for you. The Wasp wasn't at nearly a big part of that movie as Ant-Man. No. She was she was better than she was in the first movie, but that, again, but, again that's the 10 versus 13 women but, thing. Like, right. it's a little bit better, <laughs> she but wasn't that's a not... Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a fun movie, though. It was, Watch but... It again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. Distracted by fun movies. No, no. Um, okay, perfect example. Black Panther. Black Panther had yeah. a very good diversity in both just women and men in terms yeah. of the the size of the roles and the impact of the actions. And the yeah, and the way that those women got to occupy the narrative of that film. Like right. each one, it, had, everyone had a story, and that included the women. Yeah, it's just staggering when you compare that to. Even just other Marvel movies, like right. I, well, I was I was talking before uh, before we got on the the recording. Uh, spoiler alert: We talk about things before we record. Sometimes uh, we were talking <laughs> about Doctor Strange, and like I I have a, a deep attachment to the movie Doctor Strange, and I also re- recognize why it's also it's uh, it's fine. I I love it, but I'm an unhealthy person. But like <laughs> one of the one of the conversations that I constantly have about that movie is all the room that like there was. The women in that movie could have had such more fleshed out uh, roles. Right. Like Christine Palmer, uh, like the the has a has an interesting. It suggests some really interesting things that I wish they had put. And like I don't have that conversation about Black Panther right. because his sister and the queen and like all those people had like really interesting relationships. We like it's great. <laughs> um. Not only that, but, like, there is a tendency to, and this also goes into sort of the heteronormativeness of the culture, when you have a man and a woman in the same movie, like, almost as co-stars, there is a thing that happens that we expect them to get together. Yeah, oh, yeah. We expect a romantic relationship to develop because they can't, A, just be friends, or B, just not even, not be friends, and not even be enemies just happen to coexist, like, just actual partners. Without actually I, I keep, being partners. Like, I've heard a couple of people talk about, 
the say that there were responses to Guardians of the Galaxy with that people were annoyed that Quill and Gamora didn't get together, and I did not know people responded weird to me. But apparently, there is a section of like fandom that was mad about that after both movies, kind of. Except it's they like, did get together and invent a new one. Never mind. No mind. Uh. Yeah, yeah uh, we don't talk about that one. Um. Uh. Anyhow. <laughs> but yeah, no, well, these, the, again, the yeah. notion, we talked about this in the last few episodes, the notion of how women are, if you write them into the story, then they have to be romantically linked to the male yeah. character somehow. The the woman as, as a reward for, like, the man's arc. Well, not, not even as a reward, but, like, especially with Doctor Strange. Evidence that he had mm. been in love at some point. Yeah. She was an and ex, like, and that I, was the identity. Although I will argue that one of my favorite... Th- God, why did I start myself doing this? Uh, I'll keep this brief. I will argue that one of the things that I love about Doctor Strange is that they don't get together in the end. Instead, they have, like, an, an adult reconciliation about the fact that he admitted he dick. Right. And and she like forgi- she she forgives him after he like really earnestly seems to apologize and they don't get together and that their lives just seem to move on. And that's right. but again, shockingly rare in movies. It is at the same time like there's nothing to her. Yeah, yeah, no. She like she the, most of most of her personality comes from the fact that uh, the the actress like occupied that role well for Rachel McAdams little, is amazing and she yeah Rachel McAdams place. uh like brought brought personality to that that clearly wasn't on the page. But uh, same thing with uh, people getting mad at Black Panther, and uh, same thing with people getting yeah. people. By the way, weren't as mad with uh, Jason Momoa simply because I think he was one as opposed to an entire cast. In terms of being a POC, yeah. Um, one of the things was like it's really interesting. You talk to people who uh, work on Tyler Perry movies or work on Spike Lee movies or even Ava DuVernay movies, mm. and the consensus is: I so rarely get to work on sets where I'm surrounded by so many dark faces, brown skin faces. Yeah, and, um, yeah, like that. And I mean, that's one of those things that viewers aren't going to have any idea about. Demographics of film sets trend right. like super white. Right. And that does have an effect if you're trying to especially have some kind of talk about what a community is. Because mm-hmm. it's one of the things where, like, how, do you, how comfortable do you feel talking about it in front of the white guy holding the boom mic? Yeah. Because you what? don't want to offend him because he will leave. He can. He does. <laughs> And he will say scathing things in a YouTube video. <laughs> but it's one of the things where, like, it does matter simply by, like, um, it's by, by nature of what you brought up earlier, you feel more comfortable in a culture. Yeah. And so... Like when, uh, when that culture solidifies, uh, it that is what becomes normal. Like, that's... <laughs> okay, perfect example. When... Hmm. Women vent, they're going to say more crude and vulgar things about men than they probably would if men were there. Mm. If they're venting to a group of their women friends. Or friends with women. And men do the same thing. Mainly because there's a weird thing that happens when you get into a group of what is especially the up you. It's this weird shape that changes the conversation into a much more blunt and honest thing. Mm. If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, well... Well, once like the the more like the just a, a sort of in group, uh, exactly. I guess in group communication and group speak. Yeah. Uh, oh. Sorry, I I thought of like three different things that annoyed me about uh, where I work and some of the things that start to happen when you have too many dudes around each other. But right, oh we'll yeah, no, 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 set that. That's right. that's oh. a horrible thing. Yes. <laughs> So what, one of the things about being uh, me is that people, like, for some reason, think I'm a normal. That's never a good presumption to make. Oh, no, no, no. For me, I have people who oh. feel really comfortable in just confessing the bigotries to me. And I'm just like, I am not the person you think I am. And I don't know why oh, you think I wanted to know this. Yeah. Uh, but no, off of this, back onto that. Um, yeah. Again, like, the whole perceived equality thing of we've had Wonder Woman and now we have Marvel. Why do we keep harping on this? I'm like, because those are the only two. Yeah. Also, because when you do like one, when you do that, it doesn't just become normal. Right. It, you have like, to keep it, looking at it. Yeah. And and like 
that is unabashedly the goal. Like more people from different, like just people of different genders, people of different ethnic backgrounds. Like there should just be different people making art. Right. Well, and, and if you don't, it's going to be more or stagnant. Though you may not notice that if you are in the group that it's catered to. Well, perfect example. Like one thing that happens is when people try to market these things. Mm. start using language that, while not true, is misleading. When they start going, this is the first Marvel <laughs> movie yeah. with, a, with a woman, with a superheroine. Mm. This is the first DC, because they have to say first DC or first Marvel, because these are not the first comic book movies with women leads, but these are just ah. the first ones we've had recently. Yeah, like we had Supergirl back in the... In the... 80s? That was, yeah, 80s. 80s. That was early 80s. Yeah, early to mid-80s, Helen Slater. Um, <laughs> we have, even with Black Panther, uh, Blade came out oh. before Blade. But at Blade. the same time, Black Panther, again, was a separate element because, A, it was the size of the cast and the size yeah. of the budget. And that's also an important thing because... And also, like, it meant something the audience different. Is, the less of the mm. budget is. Yeah, like that that real gross slider that exists. Yeah. Uh, what were you saying? Meant something different to be a Marvel comic book movie when Blade came out as opposed to now in that it didn't mean anything when Blade came out. That's why Blade got like that's why Blade got to exist. <laughs> because be uh uh led by Wesley Snipes because Kind of because nobody cared at the time, and because Wesley Snipes was a draw. Right. Like, he was still a, he was still a name. Yeah, uh, he was huge. But, and Demolition then, Man was yeah, not too many uh, years before uh, Blade. Oh, what a time. Um, <laughs> back when back when Taco Bell ruled... Uh, <laughs> still does. Yes, they don't have I mean, nice sense burritos anymore, but you know what? They're still the cheapest uh, game in town. I mean, you know what? I think Doritos look... Locos tacos are why they win the fast food wars. Um, <laughs> I think that's the secret weapon. <laughs> but like, it means something different now. Like the the blades got to start that trend and be the first the the first movie to really like synthesize what we recognize as a modern comic book movie, and it set the stage for like Spider Man to to be the first one that like broke the world, and then uh is and then now making Black Panther like. It's the first of what it is doing now. Like, yeah, that's that's a fair argument. I don't I don't think it's disingenuous for people to make that argument, even though it does make me sad when people don't talk about Blade every day. His but... Blade cost forty five million dollars. Yeah, that is a pittance. It was huge. <laughs> it's huge then, but by today's standards, that's almost nothing. And it made one hundred and thirty one million, so it made yeah. its money back. And like. And it was a movie that people liked. Right. Like, my mom likes Blade. Right. <laughs> uh, but it didn't, like, the, the, of now, like, it was even different then. Like, right. it was, it was still evolving into what it is now. Uh, the, the unending reign. Um, but yeah, like it, so, I like it's it's interesting to look at that because it's not exactly disingenuous to point the the, the sort of difference and and specialness of Black Panther, even though it, it does sort of like discount Blade in some ways. But like there, that all, there also is a major distinction. Like I I don't know where I land on. It's well, weird no, it's, how we it's categorize one of those things. things. You bring up a point of it was like it, there is a distinction, but they don't recognize the distinction. Mm. The uh, shall we say the people who are angry? <laughs> because I can yeah. use for it, the, people, the people who are angry at Black Panther because they didn't they quote unquote try to steal the first away from Blade were not Blade's defense. <laughs> uh, like also, but I mean also like one of those things where where Blade Blade came out in 1998 and it was made by uh, it was it was direct Stephen Norrington. Whose previous uh, previous feature film was Death Machine, right? <laughs> Whereas Black Panther was directed by Ryan Coogler, who, who was like 
an up and coming star, like capital S star director. He like he had done Fruitvale Station and Creed, which was amazing. Like he he had done like a serious drama film and like brought back to life like a, a capital A American franchise from the eighties. It's something okay. that was like a contemporary black story. Like Kugler's something. Okay, so I have to mention something just to give you an idea how much the culture has shifted. How much did I say? Yeah. Uh, Blade uh, Blade had the budget of $45 million, right? Do you know yeah, how yeah. much Blade 2 cost to make? How much? $55 million. Really? They only gave them a $10 million increase for a sequel that made over 100 <laughs> To a sequel to a movie that made Man. at least... Three times this budget. <laughs> Man, Guillermo del Toro can really squeeze a budget. Like oh. he, he made that work. <laughs> and Blade Three cost, wait for it, sixty-five oh, no. million dollars. Oh, oh! I feel they like that were... should have been like that should have been followed by a price sound. Okay, okay. So let, let's let's go. Let's repeat this here. Blade. <laughs> Cost $45 million, made $131 million. Yeah. Blade 2 cost $55 million, made $155 million. Oh my Blade god. Blade 3 cost $65,000, sorry, $65 million, and made $128 million. Oh, like, I mean, it still made it back, but wow. Right. but wisely they stopped because they followed the Roger Corman, take a drink, model of filmmaking. <laughs> There's just enough room between the budget and the profit to be like, okay, that's cutting it close. But still, I want you to understand, yeah. Every bo- two of these movies proved to be high successes, and like, yeah, you guys have made your money back. Here's maybe uh, a 1% increase of your budget. I mean, I feel a little get their money back on Blade Trinity, but whatever. <laughs> now, by contrast, let's look at Black Panther's budget. Which, let me look uh, it up here. It's $200 million. Oh, oh. And Black Panther went on to make $1.3 billion. Now... Oh. Again, this is a both the culture, but it also turns out it shows you what happens is when you don't have, when you don't feed a certain section of the population. That is that is just staggering. <laughs> and I'm curious if they've released at all what the Black Panther two budget might be. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, it seems unlikely. No, they're but... they're too. They're they're too in the weeds on their their various like like getting up to end game stuff right now. They're uh, they're not really t- talking about ones that are past that. Okay, not only this, but we should mention that um, not only are we entering a new era of where we have women in films and black leads and Latino leads and South Pacific Asian leads and just Asian leads in mm-hmm. general, but they are being directed by people who are not white also, and that also yeah. again has an effect yeah uh uh the the well i mean we we talked about the the various uh in in our recent past and yeah like what what is going to be for like what is framed and how it's framed both in a literal like frame of the camera sense and also in terms of just the story and what it chooses to focus on and all like that's it's it's exciting to know that things are changing in that way, in like a way that that should have some real material differences in how things play out. Like, I, I'm I'm tentative. I, I want to see what what people are doing uh, that aren't just more white dudes that right. that get angry when like you have the wrong kind of Ghostbuster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, again, that's another perfect example of there was an announcement made. And everyone uh, went nuts. And I'm I'm so tired. <laughs> okay, just for the record, oh my god, the the original 1984 Supergirl movie made 35 yeah. million was cost cost 35 million dollars. Okay. You know how much Superman cost? No. 
55 million dollars really supergirl came out like may let's see when did superman 2 come out that came out in 1980 supergirl came out four years after superman 2 which made 190 million off a 54 million budget and she got less than the two movies i mean to be fair uh was after it had jumped to like canon films and stuff wasn't it Superman 2... Or was it? Superman 3 is when it jumped to canon films, I believe. Oh, okay. Superman... Uh, no, no, I, I meant like... I meant by the time that Supergirl came out, or, okay. or was it not? That I don't know. Was, was Supergirl... Uh, war- yeah. I don't know. Like, it's, I, I feel like Supergirl has some weird... Oh, I'm wrong. I, I got my timeline swapped. Uh, it was after Supergirl uh, was not a success that right. the rights got sold to Canon. That was... I, I thought it was Superman... Uh, I thought it was one of the... I thought it was like Superman 3 that did that. Right. But, but that's whatever. my point of the fact um, that there's, there is a vast distinction between how much money Supergirl was given despite yeah. Superman proving without a doubt that a budget would be nice. She's like, her budget is half of what they've got on both movies. Although, weirdly enough, again, to show you the time, Superman 2 got $1 million less than its predecessor for a budget. Yeah, but it also was a weird, like, thing where they were shooting both movies at the same time. And, like, I don't actually know how you would pull those budgets apart. Right. But that's that's a separate, like, thing. Like, yeah, the... the, the what a superhero movie was and how they were treated uh, changed a lot real recently. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Even then, okay, so the Black Panther budget was, how much did we say? Like some $200 million? Yeah. Captain Marvel's budget is 152 Wow. <laughs> uh, the Avengers, 220 Like, almost every Marvel movie has over $200 million a budget. Except mm. for, apparently... Uh, Captain Marvel. I'm curious about Ant-Man and the Wasp did. But, like, what what I'm saying... Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering about some of those second-tier movies we should... <laughs> but, but, I, but like, this is... But is, this is... When you have a woman yeah. headlining, it automatically gets a lower budget than even the movies like a, a yeah. Black Panther movie, which has a largely male-leading star. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's one of those... Well, one of the other things about, like, uh... And it is that idea of like, it is a movie, like it's a Marvel superhero movie, which means that to a certain extent for jet audience blockbuster movie. Right. And not something led by a woman. Right. Um, Like with Black Panther, if you have a cast that is full of that many black folks, it's not usually a general audience blockbuster. It's right. going to be a movie that is treated like black folks. Right. Well, okay. So, I Man and the Wasp, 162 million. Wow. So Ant Man and the Wasp had a Captain Marvel. Ant Man and the Wasp had a higher budget than Captain Marvel. That now, I did to not. To be fair, know. we don't know if this wow. is the budget that was given to them or the budget they had. Like, yeah. It, yeah. 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 If that makes any uh, sense. No, yeah, I get that. Like, talking about self is, like, there are a lot of limitations on using right. that. Well, uh, we're using it in a way that I think it just measures on how much, like, creative freedom they're given. Because the larger budget you have, the more creative freedom you, you get. Yeah, just... well, I think it's, it's, a, it's a combination of both a creative freedom and kind of of the studio's respect for what's being made. And the, and the confidence <laughs> in what they have. Yeah, uh, all tied up into weird money logic. Yes. Right. Uh, we should also mention that when it comes to box office results, um, as Thad learned, um, <laughs> there is no independent verification. Uh, the box office results come I, from the studios themselves. So when someone says this movie I'm, made I'm so embarrassed million, that I didn't previous. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed is, that I didn't already know us. that. Trust us, this movie made a lot of money. Okay. Yeah, it de- <laughs> yeah, definitely made this amount of money that we claim it made. Now, <sighs> granted, they, they, while that it comes from, like, the source is questionable, they can't lie too much because if they claim to make a lot of money but then end up closing large portions of the studio, 
that's a clear sign that maybe the budget is was a larger than what they said, mm. which happened with Batman v Superman, or mm. oh, oh, did it? <laughs> or it could just be maybe they're inflating the numbers a little. It could be any number of things, which is not to say, like again, box offices are meant to be used in a certain way. Like we're using them now. It's just confidence, like levels of confidence the studio has, and maybe how much they had to work with, as opposed to. Uh, how many people saw it over the weekend? They're not going to lie mm. too much because, believe it or not, there are some laws they have to follow. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like they're they're not completely immune, although they are largely inoculated. Let's say. <laughs> but again, oh, um, if we want to get to inequality, we have to have more than two women-led superhero movies every uh, once every three years. Yeah, it's it's such it's such a weird argument for people to be like, yeah, well look. Finally, here's the one, well, and that, and it's not like, like people you talk about what her gender is well, because how yeah. not? why not talk uh, about be... Captain America's gender because there are fifty of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there are already a bunch of interchangeable white guy superheroes. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, I love Chris Evans to death. Uh, uh, more and more as time goes by, like I want to go back <laughs> and I'm sorely tempted to go back and like. Fantastic for like Chris Evans. What you doing? What, what a <laughs> you you scamp. <laughs> but not, yeah, not, like not, it should also be mentioned that just because a woman led superhero movie came out, just because it is not amazing, does not mean it is a failure. It simply yeah. means being able to succeed and fail without the consequence being never again. Well, there's even. Uh, I don't know if you're. I don't know when you have a so few amount of films that when one fails, it is immediately written off as well. You're too risky as a gender to cater to, as opposed to well, maybe if you put some quality into it. Yeah. Well, uh, you you can see this kind of like ridiculous reductive logic in play if you uh, if you spend time if you waste a lot of your time following uh, angry people around on Twitter, like one of the one. One of the last sort of memes uh, in Marvel that I've seen come up in the, the last couple of weeks has been one where they're like, oh, we support Alita instead of Captain Marvel. <laughs> As when two science fiction-ish movies come out with women as the lead characters, like they're against each other. And to like, they're it co- off, as much as I like Alita, <laughs> it's pretty sexist. Yeah. Like, have have you seen Alita yet? I I haven't. Although we probably will be in the next couple of days. But I mean, I it's directed by Robert Rodriguez. Like, I'm not surprised. Well, okay, perfect example. There's a moment when she gets a new body because she's a cybernetic being. Yeah. And yeah. the first line is, "Whoa, uh, it looks like she's older than you thought she was." Oh, and I was gross. Like, what? Why? Why? Why is that line? Oh, necessary? gross. Oh. <laughs> And there's also the issue with um, the fact that women cyborgs in the movie are sexualized or have the ability to be viewed sexually, whereas yeah. men cyborgs are allowed to run the gamut from being hunky and gorgeous to being disgusting and bulky or barely even human. Yeah, like the 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 male gaze of robot bodies. Right. Is very like the, yeah, you have hurt. one woman cyborg who has blades for arms, and she basically has like majority cybernetic form but she still has breasts and she still has a beautiful face and like she's disguised as a hooker before she takes off the coat to reveal her robotic appendages so it's like there's uh, still very much a sort of objectification of women in that movie Let's yeah say I, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of i'm sure a lot of people would hear the nerd argument in my head of like well in the source material it's oh. it's they didn't have nobody had to it's fiction and it's adaptation of a lot of things <laughs> like none of it's real everything's up for grabs like it's Look, fine <laughs> movies based on the bible can change things around movies based on anime have just the amount of freedom and the bible is just a never mind no okay yeah. no let's not let's not we 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 do enough uh we do enough damage to what people will think of us already uh, ah. although if we want to do if we want to do a future uh, episode uh, tanking on religious <laughs> movies. I'm sure we could do it. Uh, oh my god! 
Take a breath. Take I still want to, and like even knowing all that, I still want to see Alita because I like I like <laughs> sci-fi movies, and it sounds like it's interesting. But I am I'm surprised by exactly none of those flaws. <laughs> That's right. Well, and this goes back to the thing like allowing a movie to have flaws. Yeah. Okay, I love Wonder Woman, but yeah. Wonder Woman does have some flaws, mainly being that the third act becomes just like every other comic book movie. But that's okay. Well, it, Again, also, it also shares it also shares with uh, the first Captain America movie, which right. I would argue vast, like, flattening and misshaping of the, the history that it takes place in. Right. Like, well, oh, we're fighting Nazis, we're fighting super Nazis. Oh, in Wonder Woman, these Germans are Basically Nazis, even though it's World War One. Like, <laughs> going back to what there's we so said, many, so many flaws. <laughs> well, going back to what we said just a few minutes ago about like equality means yeah. having the freedom yeah. to fail. Yeah, it means having the freedom to take moonshots and not having your representation erased because that one time it flopped. Perfect yeah, example. like when when Love Simon came out. Mm. Yes, it was mm. a largely less. The main character was a white dude. And he was incredibly beige. That was actually part of the plot. But the fact that, like, he wasn't, like, he was such a sort of heteronormative queer person. Because that was the only way they could get that thing made. And since that flopped, honestly, I've not seen a lot of other gay teenage romance movies coming out. Because the studios are ridiculous. And when they see one thing flop, they just go, oh, well, that just means you didn't want to see this in yeah, total, no. not it, no, it'll be, it wasn't diverse enough for you. Yeah. It'll be blamed on whatever want to do didn't like about it in the first place. It'll be blamed on whatever confirms like pre existing biases. Right. Like, like le- here, here's a here's a lovely counter example. Uh fan fant four stick, the the <laughs> two thousand fifteen Fantastic Four movie. Right. So it was a massive catastrophe. Like it was right. a huge flop. But it would, because it came out in 2015, it was not said to be a flop because it was a superhero movie. <laughs> now, if it, like, if it had come out in like 1999 and been as much of a flop, it would have been because people stupid. That's why it would have been a flop, not because it was a bad movie. Actually, like, no. Here's the thing, and this is funny about how we perceive things. Yeah. Uh, the 2005... Oh, I'm looking at 2005. Holy yeah. crap, the 2005 Fantastic Four movie had a $100 million budget and made $330 million. Yeah. The Jessica... Oh, my God. Okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't a flop. It was just bad. <laughs> uh, the 20,000... What was it, 15? Uh, 2015, the Josh Trank one. Yeah, okay, yeah, that one flopped. It had 119 million and made 56 million. Yeah. Yeah, like just face plant. Just. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that's a really good point. Just because a superhero movie flops, no one says, well, we're not going to make any more superhero movies. Like, that's the thing. Thing that that's the thing that made a lot of people, like, it's the recent past, but there were there was a, a lot of people who, despite having a lot, a lot of faith in Ryan Coogler and the cast, like, that shadow hung over it came out. Oh god, yes. Like, like if Black Panther hadn't been uh, received well, it would have been blamed on the fact that it was a black movie. The like, number one that argument fear for the longest, was there. The number one argument for the longest time as to why they don't make superheroine movies anymore, women superhero, women yeah, Supergirl, anymore, was because Catwoman, oh. because of Elektra, because of Supergirl. Yeah. Because of the three or God, four I times forgot about, they had done it and failed miserably. I forgot about the whole chain. <laughs> yeah, because if if a if a movie if a movie uh, centered on the out group flops, it's because it's about the out group. On the in group flops, it's because of X. It's right. because of Y. It's be- because the director was awful. Or because it's not about the fact that maybe the fact that no one cared enough about any of these movies to actually try to make it good. Yeah, it's because oh no, people. Bef- movie right now like it uh yeah that's really fascinating uh you know okay, really actually, pre- let's 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 look, let's look, well, let's look okay i want to i want to check something when did supergirl came out in like 19 what 85 we said it, 19 1984 1984 
So Electra. When did the Electra come out? Electra came out. I don't know. In the I 90s, blanked right? my memory. Yeah. No. No. Two thousands. Came out in two thousand five. Same year as Fantastic Four, which, as we just learned, was a perfectly successful movie. Right. And Catwoman, the movie came out two thousand four. So those two came out right about the time of the, like there's a superhero resurgence. So like let's try this, and both of them flopped. And so the response mm. was, well, they just don't want to see women leading films anymore. <laughs> uh... But understand that between the amount of time between Supergirl and Catwoman and Elektra is insane compared to the amount of time between Superman 3, which didn't do well, Superman 4, which didn't do well, didn't <laughs> stop him from making Incredible Hulk TV movies, didn't stop him from making Batman 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> yeah, like Batman Batman is what brought like that generation of superhero movies like back. Right. Because uh, like it, it sort of picked up the reins after Superman crashed and burned and was allowed to continue even though Superman crashed and burned. <laughs> and not only that, when people go, why are they pushing it like this? I'm like, why? Because it's a job to get people excited. And yeah. when you're underrepresented and someone goes, hey, we got a movie starring someone who looks up within the remotely passing resemblance like you. So now when you watch the story, you can identify without doing a whole bunch of, you know, mental gymnastics. Ta-da! There's a part of you that goes, hee hee uh, Yeah. And of course, like, that that also relies on seeing that difference. Right. Like, because if you... And and I, I grant that like cultural differences will always be there, but the more movies that we have, like Black Panther, just huge, unabashedly black blockbuster movies. That's a great sentence for a tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> like the more of those that we have, the more it'll the the more it will become obvious that like yeah, they have a particular cultural spin on you speak to everyone. Like that, right. like they were loved not only by people who look like the cast but kind of if you look at if you look at critical responses people loved that movie well because not only this but here's the thing movies aimed at a particular audience are more for everybody than movies aimed at everybody because those movies are in a sense made for no one yeah like if you if you if you truly honestly make a movie that's supposed to be for everyone like what does that even mean right like what is everyone <laughs> Because has anyone has ever talked about movies to anyone outside of a group of more than two? Opinions vary. Yeah, like uh, I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you've met the internet, but <laughs> there's a lot of contention on there about what culture is supposed to be like. Not only that, but and this is the thing that the internet has yet to really come to grasp with: time is the ultimate judge. Oh yeah. Because that's, when that's Amazing why I, Spider-Man came out, everyone started dogging on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. The, I, I, I constantly we, block that out. Right. I didn't, like, it's hard to grasp. Because whenever we have reboots like this, like, sort of cultural amnesia happens. But then as the further we get away, the more we go back and we start to go, oh, you know what? The more we go back, and the more we realize that Spider-Man 2 has never been surpassed. Fight me. <laughs> Patrick H. Willem did a thing. It's like, you know what? I've gone back and I've watched some like Winter Soldier and stuff. And you know what? It's not as great as I remember it. Because... Which I super love hearing because I... <laughs> well, because, yeah, my stance on the Russo brothers, ta-da. But yeah. that thing of like, there is a thing such as when you see a movie and like, oh my God, that's really amazing. Because sometimes the way, like a time in your life or what's going on in the world can affect your emotional reaction to the movie. And then Absolutely. Like, oh my God. And then the further you get away from it, the more you change. Uh, yeah. We've talked about this like, on a phone call. Uh, Ebert was once asked, the remake of House on Last House on the Left. Yeah. He gave two and a half stars. But the original House on the Left, he gave three, three and a half stars to and someone's like, why? And he goes, well, the remake has this rape scene that I didn't feel was justified or the way it was shot. It made me uneasy, and I didn't find... I found it more exploitative than informative or artistically yeah. important. And they go, well, it's basically the same rape scene as the original. What's the difference? And he goes, that was 40 years ago, and I was a different person. I have no interest in consistency. 
Yeah. Oh, Ebert, Ebert could really drop a line like that. <laughs> I have no interest in consistency is so good. And oh. that is what they mean, by the way, when they say consistency is the hobgoblins of little minds. It's basically uh. understanding the fact that change is necessary and it comes at a price. Yeah. And the like, farther I, we get away from I'm Ghostbusters, not in... <laughs> the, yeah. remake, the less fear there is around it and more people going, you know, it's not great, but I laughed. It's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Deeply flawed movies stick with us much stronger than perfect movies do. It's a very weird thing. And to some degree, the people who argue in favor of Green Book have a very have a very good point. It's deeply flawed movies, because we're human on ourselves, deeply flawed, we gravitate towards Doom. Yeah, yeah. I don't agree with the people defending Green Although, Book, but I understand the argument to some extent. Yeah. I mean, my my, my favorite, like, logic, uh, not, not necessarily eliminate the, uh, get them. Get them. Uh, but, but to YouTube people, uh, a guy at, uh, talks about video Gaku, his name is Tim Rogers, but like I, I mentioned this before, but it's one of my favorite things is he did not only a best of 2018, it a best of 2008 and went through like what he thought 10 years, the best video games of a day. And man, I want more movie discussions like that because we don't like everything is so what's the next big thing what's the next right. big thing that like we we lose that well we do get a sort of and, amnesia because what's happening around captain marvel right now happened around wonder woman even though the same people yeah. perpetrating it deny this even <laughs> though you can go to Tomatoes <laughs> and go to the internet and pull out a season go you guys said the exact same thing when the wonder woman came out yeah like the internet has made uh the even further in the present, and and people were already really bad about that. Right, and not only that, but again, time being the ultimate judge. Like you should go back and watch a movie you really love after a couple yeah. years pass, if only to realize: Do I really love this movie, or is this a particular time and place? Yeah, uh, and lo- it, that's an important perspective to get because that can be a really interesting conversation, even just with yourself. It's like, oh, I remember love. And Z, but now that I watch it again, like I don't feel that way. I maybe like different things, or I don't like it at all. Well, okay, it can be a really interesting experience. My love of westerns has matured in such a way to now my oh, criteria yeah. for what I love yeah. in a western has changed dramatically. Because now I've Absolutely. gone from seeing it to it's one of my favorite genres. To it's a genre that more than likely, oftentimes, celebrates the genocide, and that's unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> right, right. And so basically you have to come to terms with that. And not only that, it's the same thing with noirs or any other genre. You have to be like, okay, you have to oh, yeah. begin to grapple with what that says about you and how do you deal with that. And what happens with a lot of this controversy surrounded movies like Captain Marvel or the SJW propaganda push is the fact that we are not having honest discussions with ourselves about what we are confronting. Yeah, like uh, that that kind of internet rage machine tends to to avoid introspection because thing to argue. Not only about. that, the next thing that's happening, the next thing that's happening, like now or that's coming out soon or whatever. What is so bad about someone coming out going? I want to see this movie. I so rarely get to see people who look like me, and yeah. I don't know what that what in that triggers someone to go. Well, now you're just shoving your opinions in my face, <laughs> as opposed to what you're about to say in five. Four, three, say something <laughs> yeah. sexist. That's what happens. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, a ability to consider the other person's experience exactly. in a really fundamental way. Like it's yeah, yeah it, it's it's it becomes really obvious when you're outside of that. Still, like miss perfect either. Like I, I would right. never make that argument. I actually dis one else does uh fight me <laughs> i will prove that i hate myself more than any of you can uh <laughs> also just a real quick note i, I want to make this clear i haven't seen green book nor do i even really agree with what people are saying when they defend green book i'm just yeah. saying the notion of a flawed movie being loved it's completely understandable sure i'm, I'm i bet there are people out there who really love like crash uh <laughs> I, I haven't met them but i, <laughs> I can conceive of them <laughs> Uh, honestly, do you know who was a giant defender of Crash? Oh no, who? 
Even. Really? He was a giant defender of that movie. And on that note, it's time to go, everybody. Uh, hey, Jeremiah, could you tell us about some shows that aren't just talking about uh, movies? I don't have the paper in front of me, so no. <laughs> <laughs> but I... <laughs> Say goodbye, Pat. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was... I'm sorry. Okay, say goodbye, then. We gotta go. Okay, bye.